I've been broken down and now And look at the sound that I'm drowning out I'm around the town and I'm roundabout And it's better than a kick in your freaking mouth These words might scare you Ah, uh, my favorite time of week It's Friday night, it's 5 o'clock I'm settled down inside my little nest inside the studio Cocktails are poured metaphorically, and uh, it's time for the chat room. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're broadcasting live from the University of California campus in Irvine. We're streaming on the web at KUCI.org. We are podcasting each and every awesome minute of this show and all of our others. I'll tell you more about that later. I'm Marie Stone, right here rubbing up against me. It's Elizabeth Zero. Hey, how are you? Yeah. I missed you this week. I know. I know. It seems like forever since I've it's seen you. It's a good thing we're Facebook friends so that I can, you know, sort oh, of keep up with your daily life. Well, I never yeah. actually leave my home if I don't have to, so <laughs> I've gotten don't that about bad. you. Yeah. <laughs> I am a little agoraphobic, I think, but that's cool. <laughs> we, uh, we are your hostesses, and today on the, uh, on the slab for our public dissection is uh, teenage pregnancy and the role of sexual education in public uh, junior high and high schools, and we're uh, we're going to take your calls all hour on this topic, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. Uh, if you have experience in teenage pregnancy, if you're the um, daughter or son of teen parents, if you've gone through teenage pregnancy yourself, uh, if you have questions or comments, you can email all of all of those things to the chat room at KUCI.org. And today in the studio, we're fortunate enough to be joined by Mandy Ackler, Mandy Acklin. Mandy Acklin? Mandy. Yeah. Mandy, yeah, exactly right. Uh, Mandy is a student at she's, Long Beach. She's drunk, so sorry about that. She's totally drunk. <laughs> I make it a policy to screw up every guest name just to make them feel right at home. Yeah, don't worry about it. Fortunately, I don't even know my own name, so that's okay. Uh, so Mandy is a student at Long Beach City College and will be transferring to UCI soon. Her major is public health with an emphasis in sexual education. Her goal is to create her own sex ed forum and travel the country raising awareness to minors on public health and sex where the schools leave off. She's the daughter of teen parents and grew up in Mississippi. Her town has an equal number of casinos to churches but lacks basic awareness about topics relating to sex. Uh, so where she is from, if you get pregnant when you're in high school, you get married, and, uh, and that's the end of the story. So Mandy, hi. 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 So I'm going to let you do a little self-introduction and sort of tell us a little bit about your background and... Uh, why the heck you agreed to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still wondering. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, as you said, I'm from Mississippi, and uh, I grew up in a little town called Gulfport, and which probably should be pronounced Gulfport, yeah. <laughs> um, which is about an hour away from New Orleans. Um, I moved out here about four years ago because uh, I'm an old maid back there. So at oh 28, yeah. <laughs> wow. you know, I'm not married. I don't have any children. So people are wondering. You're a spinster. <laughs> Or or a lesbian. You're a pretty good-looking uh, spinster slash yeah, lesbian. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I decided just to, to break loose. Um, I am the daughter of teenage parents, um, which was a, an interesting ride, to say the least. Um, and I think I realized at a very young age that it was a hard road ahead if I were to repeat those um, same decisions. I right. won't say mistakes. Right. I, don't, I won't call myself a mistake. <laughs> well, it's, well I, I did a little research. We both did. And um, Mississippi is the highest teen pregnancy rate in the country. It's, um, it also happens to be the um, most religious state. And those two things seem to coincide, most likely because of the belief of, of abortion. But, um, yeah, I mean, when I was going through statistics, it was like they had an 8-year-old who had a a baby and a handful of nine and ten year olds and you know it's it's pretty unbelievable really there's um you know 14 year olds thir uh, having a lot of 14 13 year olds i mean that's just like hmm. it, 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 yeah i mean how <laughs> i don't even think i got my period until i was, like, I was 18 or 19 so i'm like <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say is eight or nine is a crazy yeah. number to even be able to get pregnant, let alone yeah, absolutely. doing all the great stuff you have to do to get yourself yeah, So how old were, was, were your parents when they... Um, well, my mom was 16 when she got pregnant with my brother, so 17 okay. when she had him. Um, my dad was four years older than her. 
Um, and they got married right away. And they got married right away. She was 16 when she um, got married, and which was about a month after she got pregnant. Wow. So, yeah. Was her, your dad her first boyfriend, first sort of mm-hmm. he was. sexual experience? He yeah. was. Okay. So what's the what's the demographic, ethnic demographic, uh, from where you're from? Is it mostly white? Is it mostly black? I think it's a good mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a, a pretty good um, Asian population on the, the coast where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, and a very small Hispanic population, but mostly uh White and black, yes. And teen pregnancy seemed to straddle both sides of the mm-hmm. ethnic divide. Both, both, yeah. definitely. Um, I think that you find a lot of it in the religious groups. I, a lot of kids are being taught that abstinence is the only option. Mm-hmm. So they don't have the education of using um, condoms or birth control or any other kind of contraception. And they don't have access to it as mm-hmm. much as often. And um, I think a lot of kids would get in a lot of trouble if they were caught right. with right. something like that. So the pull-out method is pretty much it. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Not you know, as effective as what we've been told. Right? Governor um, Phil Bryant is um, unveiling an ambitious program recent, in this past year um, to help educate teens and um, because they realize that abstinence doesn't work. And the teenage mothers who um, participated in, you know, giving their feedback as how to go about it, they said, you know, these programs should be directed to fourth and fifth graders. But when I was talking to you, Mandy, a lot of times parents opt to not even allow their children. They have the option to not allow their children to go to the health class. And I've, I've known even people in Southern California who are so religious that they sign their kid out for the day so that child doesn't go to the health the day that they present all the health and the facts about contraception. Um, but then they, parents don't educate the children themselves. They think they're too young, but they're obviously not too young because they're getting pregnant. No. They're just nuts. They're doing it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Sex is fun. It feels good. They're not going to stop doing it. You can teach abstinence all day long and you can pretend like it doesn't exist, but I mean, come on. (laughs) One of the things I mentioned, I thought, is if you're going to allow a parent to sign the child out of health class, then the parent should be required to take the health class. Yeah. And you should teach the parent. And that's what I would really like to see. That's my solution. Okay, we're done. <laughs> no, but, you know, at least require these hillbillies. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm talking trash about your peeps down in Mississippi. My peeps. But, yeah, yeah, they're not yours. Um, but require these people to become educated. Yeah. You know, because the cycle is perpetual. It just keeps, it seems like it keeps going on and on. Now, the other thing that I've heard is that kids are now engaging in non, non-technical, non non-vaginal intercourse in order to um, preserve their virginity yes, and in order to virgin. avoid sex and <laughs> other things. But they're, yeah. but they're being much more aggressive. Back in my day, you know, they're engaging in much more aggressive, perhaps, activities than, um, than that. Well, yeah. you know, what do you mean more aggressive than, than anal sex? There you go. Oh, is that what I, you were talking about? Yes, that's oh. what I was Oh, okay. yeah. Like, cause, cause I'm like, that's pretty aggressive. There you go. No, no, that is what I was talking as about. As long as your garden yeah. has not been dug. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. You're, right. And so good. that's on the you know, that's on the menu now in junior high and high school. When what if your garden's I been weeded? Feel like that wasn't <laughs> All right, we're gonna get ourselves kicked off. I know. Anyway. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'll be good, I'll be good. <laughs> Uh, so tell me, tell me a little bit more about your background with your, I, I kind of, I'm dying to know sort of day to day. We always talk about teenage pregnancy from the vantage point of the teenage teenager who is pregnant. And I love this access to a, a child of teenage parents and just what the day to day looked like, you know, because I really don't have the emotional resources many days to manage my daughter. And that's with, you know, 41 years of maturity we'll put in quotes. But, you know, if I was 17, I think I would drown her in a bathtub. <laughs> I mean, well, what do you know at 17? Right. You know? And right. I think being the child of teen parents, I experienced a lot of volatile moments. You, uh, you're not developed yet. You have, a, I look at myself and all that I've done throughout my 20s so far, and I could not imagine having to do that while juggling the thoughts of raising two, not two, just one, right. but two children. Yeah. Um, my mm-hmm. my dad was 
also um, a drug addict and an alcoholic, which was a lot of fun, yeah. um, to say the least. But it was it was very difficult. Um, you would watch the other kids you were in school with and, and their parents who maybe perhaps waited a little longer to have children and to start a family, and they were more established and set up, and their parents tended to have a lot more patience and calmness and time, mm-hmm. um, yeah. whereas, you know, teen parents, I mean, my parents didn't get a college education. They, they worked and they worked hard um, all the time. So they really the weren't able to participate in your day-to-day no. life or, or lend you support and as you're growing up. And, yeah. you know, the, and my, I, my did, I did not have teen parents, although my mother was pregnant with my sister when she was 18. She was six years older than that when she finally had me. But still, we, I had the same thing where my um, father was a drug addict and alcoholic, and he did not participate either. So you had not only that, compounded you know you had the double whammy of having young parents who were not emotionally there and battling addiction problems mm-hmm. so that's really that's tough yeah. so it was the four of you living so it was just the four of you in the house yes. and you were in a house or an apartment we were in a house um let's see first off we were in a trailer mm-hmm. so that's that's awesome. what you have there <laughs> that's where i'm headed i'm going to i can't wait to get my trailer so <laughs> We started off in a trailer, then uh, we went to um, the apartment life, then a home. So from the time I was eight, seven on, I lived in a house. Uh, But in Mississippi, property is much less expensive, and I think my mom's mortgage is somewhere less than $400 a month still. Oh, my gosh. Right now? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. it's, It's much more affordable to own a home, no right. not in Southern California. Yeah. yeah. Under $400 a month? Do you want to move it? <laughs> I kind of do. Oh down God. our trailer. I just, I just put that in my gas tank yesterday. That's oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. So was there a lot of um, trying to pawn you off on other people so that they could go out and party? With- oh, no. We were latchkey kids. We were just okay. pawned off onto ourselves. Okay. So I, my brother was four years old or three and a half years older than me. So when he was 10, I was 7, he became kind of the person in charge, which was brilliant. Um, (laughs) Oh, man, that's scary. scary. (laughs) So scary. Uh, But that's basically how it went, and they would go out and and do whatever, and they would leave us, um, All night? All night long? Um, I think sometimes it was fairly late, Uh, but we never, past the age of seven, I didn't have a babysitter. I, a lot of times, uh, my brother and I would stay with our grandparents, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the weekend. or Who overnight. were like 35. Yeah. <laughs> the old grandparents who were, you know, yeah. younger than I. <laughs> yeah. So they, they definitely kind of benefited from that. And, and we did, too. I think we learned a, learned a lot of grounding from our grandparents. Uh, we weren't there all the time. They were, both sets were an hour away. Hmm. But it was, yeah. it was good enough. The Department of Human Services in Mississippi said a youth judge uh, saw a 39-year-old great-grandmother in a courtroom. Great-grandmother. Yeah, that's an average oh of God. 13 years old for each birth. So there you go. There's that. I have to say, I have, I was telling you, I have a fair number of Facebook friends. So I'm 41 Mm -hmm. Facebook friends who I went to high school with. And there's a lot of comments on there about my grandparents or my grandkids came to visit this weekend. I'm like, (laughs) what the heck? Yeah. (laughs) Your grandchildren. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. Yes. I mean, yeah. It's nuts. So now you're studying sex education and that's your goal. And what are some things that you have learned or what is a message that you, you know, want to put out there? I really just, I want to put the message out there that there are other options. There's more than just pregnancy to be concerned with. There are so many diseases that are lifelong. You can't just pop some antibiotics and get rid of all of them. Some of them, sure. Um, More and more girls are showing up to have um, cervical cancer, uh, pelvic inflammatory disease, and and all of these things can cause, uh, you know, your birth and infertility, you know, right. and, and it, it'll go away. It's lifetime. And HIV is is still pretty rampant. Knowing what we know about it, I think that a lot of people have gotten kind of cocky about it and, and decided, oh, well, we can cure that. Well, we can't. It's a virus. 
it, yeah. it's with you for life. And right. um, you know, you don't realize that these decisions that you're making when you're so young can affect you for 70 years. Right. Yeah. You know, and and there, these are all things that can typically be managed, but a lot of diseases out there aren't even detectable until they're too late. How do you get a How do you get a teenager to listen to you i mean how do you get them to you know if if even i think when you get that information out there i mean i had i had a fair amount of information but man i was a horny teenager so Mm -hmm. i still i still had some unprotected sex in my later teen years and um and you have the feeling of invincibility when you're that age yeah you you don't think anything's going to touch you you've never been sick i mean the the concept of dealing with a lifelong illness is so foreign to you you don't care yeah i mean i i've been to the doctor so many times because you know when i in during that time because i would have unprotected sex and then be like oh my gosh and you know it's just a miracle to me that was the 80s that i i'm you know i don't have aids or i don't have some dreaded disease and that's that's pretty amazing i think so yeah no yeah it what's scaring me is that as the religious right is sort of taking over education and and you know moving into this territory that that we're going to have less sex education than more and i don't know if that's what you're finding that you know abstinence is being preached at the expense of real hard-colored facts about sex ed well for centuries teenagers have been having sex this isn't something that just happened in the last hundred years you know it not in the last 50 years it didn't happen with elvis taking over people have been having unprotected outside of marriage sex yeah and you know it's it's just not something that's going to stop and you can teach absence but it's proving that it's not working the with absence only education Pregnancy rates skyrocket. The mm-hmm. correlation is there. The proof is there. And it's it's just silly. Yeah, I mean, it's just sex. Everybody needs to lighten up and have some fun. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. And you're not going to be able to keep your child. If your child wants to go out and have sex, they're going to have sex. And I think the message here, it's almost to me like you have to educate these parents, like I mm-hmm. said earlier, um, to just take their head out of the sand and right. just wake up and deal with the reality of the situation. It's like, hey, this is going to happen. So I think a lot of parents might think, if I give my child condoms or put my daughter on the pill, then she's just going to go and have sex. It's endorsing it. And yeah. It's not. Right. It's yeah. not. You know, the statistics are proving that. Yeah. It's, right. it's just, you know, your kids are going to do it one way or the other. Plus, plus you have the whole situation with the abortion now. A lot of, the, I think the big reason why all these states with the highest pregnancy rate, and most of them are in the South, have a high teen pregnancy birth rate because they are also religious and they are against abortion. Mm-hmm. And so changing the religious views on abortion is probably next to impossible. Um, but, you know, hopefully... You know, I, I, I personally don't believe in legislating morality. I think people yeah. should be accountable for what they do. Women should be accountable for their own body. And my views or opinions or anybody else's views and opinions on it shouldn't count. We're all accountable for ourselves and to God. And we shouldn't have to be running around trying to hold each other accountable. It seems like when we try to legislate laws, you know, and holding, especially with women, there's a big issue right now. And in Israel, they just set a, an issue with women. Uh, models can't be a certain... They have to be a certain weight. They're not allowed to be underweight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's not, like, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, okay, I get the message that you want women to be healthy. Um, but here's the thing. If you outlaw abortion, women are going to go to the back alley, and they're going to hurt themselves and get abortions anyway. And this way, it's like, okay, you want to have that choice? Fine, that's your choice. You deal with the consequences of it, but here's a safe place where you can go and receive safe medical care. It's your choice. It's your body. And until the crazy religious people stop trying to legislate morality, you know, we're going to have these problems and we're, we're producing a country of uneducated, you know, illiterate morons. The shocking (laughs) thing to me is that the United States is the, the biggest offender of teenage pregnancy of all of the industrialized countries. Mm -hmm. We are twice as we have twice the problem that Canada does twice the problem that England does. And like something like nine times the problem that a lot of European countries do. I mean, the, the the rate of teenage pregnancy here is simply outrageous. And, um, an interesting thing about that is that, um, in a lot of European countries, they start a sex education 
in elementary school and it's very it's basic it's like this is your penis this is your vagina and and it's just labeling things correctly and then every year there's there's something it's all age appropriate Mm -hmm. but by the time that they're getting older sex isn't a big deal it's just it's just something you know that you do and they don't have as high as teenage pregnancy rates. Well, it's the same with alcohol. Much like alcohol, right? yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're both thinking of alcohol at the same time, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody just needs to relax. And it's like, I don't know, I just, everybody should just relax. <laughs> well, I, I have so many things to say about that, but I'm like, but I guess well, I'm not you know, say that. The biggest uh, naysayers on that one, obviously, are not mm-hmm. relaxing. Right. Oh, yeah, I mean, the Republicans, uh, John Edwards just got found out for, you know, paying for sex, and uh, Rick Santorum wants to ban pornography, and everybody's trying to, and it's like, look, all, everybody wants to have sex, so if everybody just looks at it from a whole different perspective, and get educated about it, and give it up, and have some fun with it, then, hey. It's it's funny, because one year we were in Amsterdam, and I was talking to a cab driver there, and saying, you know, it was a Friday night, I'm like, what are you going to do after you get off work? And he said, I don't know, I might go down to the red light district and have some fun. And he said, I think you Americans are hilarious. He said, what's the big deal? It's like going to a bar, it's just relaxing, Mm -hmm. and you're so uptight. Why are you so uptight about this? You know, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, it's a way to unwind after a hard work week. I mean, it's, it's literally how our bodies are made. Whether you believe in God, or who you believe in, our bodies are made, and they're made to also procreate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how how it happens. And it's like, if you don't want it to happen too young, I mean, it's also so unfair. It's like, you know, parents might think that they're doing a child a favor by, you know, not exposing them to those things too early, but they're really hurting their child. And if you look at it as a as a way of, I'm hurting my child. I'm putting my child in harm's way by not educating them more than I am by sheltering them from this information. Then maybe that would help some parents to just, you know, take the initiative, get a book and get their kids educated. Well, taking your concept, excuse me, taking your concept earlier about having the parents take the sex education class Mm -hmm. instead, you know, it would also be I think very beneficial if when your child enters the middle school, junior high, you're required to take this class mm-hmm. as a right. parent. You want, At least one of you mm-hmm. has to go and take oh, this, this course and, and say, you know, you need to be educated. You need to know what's going on in the schools. And, you know, the teachers aren't here to do it for you. Right. You need to step up to the plate and they need oh, to good. hear it from you. Right. So they do that already in mm-hmm. junior high school? No, no I think they, they should. Oh, you're saying, oh, yeah. yeah. That would be great. That would be something that you could definitely mm-hmm. lead a movement in. You are tuned into the chat room on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are talking uh, about teenage pregnancy today, sex ed in um, junior high and high schools, perhaps elementary schools too. And uh, we're here with Mandy Acklin, uh, a daughter of teenage parents. I kind of, I still want to get back to sort of the the day-to-day life and whether or not... There's a high school in Memphis where there were 86 teenagers who were pregnant at the same time. Mm. And um, so they were starting this, you know, aggressive campaign there. It was getting worse. And I was wondering if there was any sense uh, where you grew up that this was a cool thing to do, that this is just sort of the path. Were were girls falling into this by accident or was it kind of the hip, cool thing to do? And oh my, because you said... I'm 28 and I'm a spinster. I got to get out of there because I'm I'm kind of socially ostracized now because I, I didn't follow the path. Was there some sense of, you know, this is just something we do? I'm 16. <laughs> In some senses, yeah. You know, you get your your high school boyfriend, and a lot of times your high school boyfriend's a little bit older and maybe a little bit of a bad boy. You know. It's what we do, and especially when we're sixteen, right? And and you, you're so in love, and you have sex, and you get pregnant, and you you think, well, we love each other so much, we can do this. It's been done so many times before, but I think we're also in a newer generation where we're not feeling like we have to suffer through a marriage if it's not wonderful. So you right. see, you have. These kids that are getting married so young and they try to just prove it to everyone 
for right. as long as they can. Six and, months. You, know, <laughs> you mentioned that you had a, uh, in sick, when you were in sixth grade, another sixth grade girl got pregnant and had a baby. I was actually in ninth grade, and my oh. best friend's little sister was in the sixth grade. Oh, and she okay. came home and told us about this girl in her class who was in the sixth grade, pregnant by a fifth grade boy. Mm. Gosh. It just goes to show that, you know, it's happening and, and people are doing it. And, you know, I think especially over there, it, it's just accepted. And there's this big rush to make it seem like you got married before you got pregnant. So, oh. What, what a surprise. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I planned to get married when I was in the sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> so did, did she come home in shame? Was she scared? Was she proud? Was she? You know, I, I don't, I didn't know her personally. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know, but. I, I think that on some level, sure, there's some shame, and and I mean, what do you do when you're 11, 12 years old having a baby? What do you think of those um, MTV television shows, 16 and Pregnant and Teen Mom? The first season of 16 and Pregnant, if they would have just left it that as a documentary to kind of chronicle, I think it would have been beneficial and it would have been good. But the fact that they spun it off into this mega grossing uh reality show just just empire. disgusting yeah. empire it, it turned it into something completely ugly and unrealistic and i think that a lot of girls out there are not so much worried about getting pregnant they're like oh i can try to be on mtv and a, and a lot of <laughs> yeah, people it's true there are there are it's mm-hmm. a, it's been in, uh, noted in the media that these girls are like oh i'm you know as soon as they get pregnant they're auditioning and if i do really well if i have enough drama on my six or my 16 and pregnant right. then maybe i'll get extended to team mom because they oh, yeah. have team mom one team mom two which i think team mom one got through with two or three seasons. Teen Mom 2 got through with two seasons. Yeah. And they've just announced Teen Mom 3, so which oh is going to be a whole other batch well, of girls. Well, there's something just absolutely horrifying at the way our country celebrates the demise and destruction of people mm-hmm. through reality television programming. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and on some levels, it's sort of funny and entertaining, but, you know, it's just at that point when you're glorifying something, you know, you're, per- you're perpetuating it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow, that's pretty hard. I've seen a couple episodes just because I was just curious. And, um, you know, you had one teen mom, I believe her name's Janelle. Janelle. And mm-hmm. Her mother was taking care of the baby for her, which I don't think she should have done because it was just, then the Janelle was just running around smoking pot and having fun sleeping over at her boyfriend and just w- allowed the child to continue to be responsible and she hadn't really developed mm-hmm. a relationship with her baby and but meanwhile the mother was really acting very passive aggressively and she was um, screaming and yelling mm-hmm. at her daughter and angry with her and it was just, it was like the, the um, illiterate ridiculous um bad uh poor choices and um just really uh destructive um behavior was just it was just continuing and it's it, at that point it's just you can't i mean it's just hopefully it's getting the message across hopefully pe- most of the people who are watching it are saying you know this isn't what i want for my life i would yeah. hope so but then you you go into the grocery store, and you see all the magazines, and mm-hmm. it's Teen Mom, Teen Mom, Teen Mom. Yeah, right. It it's, looks cool. It, yeah. It's you're getting fame from it. You're doing interviews. You're getting money. You know, notoriety, maybe not fame, but all the same, you're still yeah. profiting attention. off of it, and you're getting the attention factor. And you're a little local celebrity, and loved or hated, you still get attention. Yeah, if you're on the cover of People, Us, or Star, that's pretty big. I mean. Right. I wouldn't mind being on the cover of one of those things. <laughs> Let's do it. I know. I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? Were there any advantages to having teenage parents? Uh, like from the perspective of they were close to your age, right? So they could relate to what you were going through or they could be a little bit more cautionary. They could be hip or they could be, you know, sort of in the know a little bit more than yeah. somebody who's in their 50s maybe. <laughs> I felt like my parents were definitely more on the selfish track in the self-centered mm-hmm. track. And I mean, when I turned 18, I remember I was going that's when I first started really actually going out and and partying a little bit and I would go out and drink and and my mom was just really kind of cool with it she said you know you're 18 I can't tell you what to do which was 
which was kind of fun, but, you know, at the same time, it's kind of weird. And I remember being able to tell her, I want to have a party, so I need you to not be at the house. And she was like, oh, okay, well, can I, can I just come back at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning and go to bed? I'm like, no, you just you can't come home. <laughs> she goes, I won't bother anybody. I'm like, Mom, no, you can't be here. And, you know, so... That was kind of cool on that front, but I think now that she's, you know, in her, um, you know, mid-40s and she doesn't have the responsibility of children tying her down and everything, she's kind of reliving those those pre-20 years and being very um, difficult. I don't have a very strong relationship with her. Yeah, I was going to so. ask if you're close now. No. Not now, no. She just decided to to live it up and and that's yeah that's her prerogative it yeah it stinks and it's and it's tough you know i want to be able to call my mom and say hey you know guess what i thought of you or whatever right. but that's tough and then my dad's deceased so i don't have a relationship with him um for obvious reasons but right. I, I i ended my relationship with him when i was 18 so hmm. um i didn't i didn't have to legally report to them anymore and I was done so yeah I think there's a dynamic especially in addictive households and alcoholic households of of the kids becoming the parents to the parents anyway and I would think that that dynamic would be really amplified if you have teenage parents where you at seven are more responsible than them at 25 or whatever they were I started making my own money when I was 12 I started babysitting when I was 12 because I realized if I wanted anything I was going to have to do it. So yeah. I, I started doing that, and I would make, you know, 20 bucks a pop here and there, and I would take care of the things I needed to take care of. If I wanted, you know, cool tennis shoes, that was all me, you yeah. know, or, uh, you know, whatever it was, really cool jeans, the name brand jeans. and Yeah, I mean, there's definitely advantages to having parents ignore you. <laughs> and you're looking at years, one yeah. right now speaking into the mic. Um but, you know, it, and I have to say, I do have an example. I have some um, friends who live here in Orange County, Glenn and Mindy Stearns. And they, um, she's Mindy Bar- uh, Barbano. She used to be on the Channel 5 News. And Glenn is a uh, multi-billionaire um, developer and um, entrepreneur and um, philanthropist. And he, when he was 14, impregnated a 17-year-old girl. And they had the baby. And the, her, the girl and her parents primarily took care of it. And for Glenn at 14, I mean, he was certainly freaked out. And, I mean, how good of a father could you be at that age? Um, however, it propelled him to work harder and become super responsible. And he is a self-made billionaire. Hmm. And... Um, or maybe he's a millionaire. I think he might be a billionaire, though. Um, but you're, ad- you're advocating teenage pregnancy. No, so I'm not advocating it. <laughs> but I am saying, giving a fair argument in that not all, I mean, this is certainly the exception, not the rule. But, right. you know, it propelled him. And he built this, you know, huge company, made him say, hey, I've got to get my act together. Just like, you know, you know, for you and I, Mandy, we had parents. And even though my parents were older when they had me, they were still, you know, sort of absentee parents in the sense that, you know, they took care of us financially, but they really were not emotionally equipped to handle four children, four little girls. And so, um, you know, it, it caused me to go the other way. I became very conservative and hardworking, and I'm, everything that I've ever done, it's been me. You know, I haven't been given anything. Um, and so there are those advantages to it. However, I don't think that's always the case, and I do, I do see... Um, an entire population down in the south who are just, you know, beyond, beyond belief. I mean, it just seems like it's really rampant, you know, uneducated, poor, uh, misinformed, you know. Are there programs in the schools that help teenage moms to st- try and stay in school, daycare programs in the, in the high schools that try to keep them in school while they're raising kids? A, a lot of schools do have them, um, and, and, and it's very good that they do. But there's there's two very strong arguments. Do the daycares in the school kind of accept teenage pregnancy and they, they help you get it through and it's fine? Might as well do it now. At least you'll have free daycare. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side that says, well, at least they're going to continue their education. So it's... Kind of you play you can play devil's advocate with that. That's the problem with all of this is that you know if the message is um, we're not going to 
you know, abortion is not an alternative, and we're not going to give you the education that you need. So you're going to get pregnant, but then we're not going to help you out once you are pregnant. And so you're going to have to drop out of school, and then the cycle is just going to perpetuate itself. I mean, where do you, where do you step in and say enough? Enough. Yeah. So tell me about this bill that we were talking about right before the show started oh, that yeah, started in really Mississippi that, that had my hair turning white. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Uh, mine, too. <laughs> So last November, there was an initiative on the ballot in Mississippi called Initiative 26, I do believe. And I I read a lot about this as soon as I I found out about it through Facebook, of course. Um, (laughs) That's where I get all of my news sources. Yeah, one-stop shop. (laughs) Um, Basically, it was redefining personhood to be, I believe, right at the moment of sperm meets egg which a lot of people will know scientifically, biologically, that doesn't always produce a baby. Sometimes it's just an empty egg, and then your body ends up shedding it and so on. Or you have a miscarriage or or whatever the case may be. But basically, it would um, ban abortion. you wouldn't. I, I didn't mention this before, but you could also, um, they could argue that you couldn't take birth control. Because if you took birth control... You're standing you were, in the way. Yeah, you, well, you're standing in the way, but if you were to get pregnant and then you started taking your birth control pills, that could cause the the embryo to not attach, which would also be, it, it's just so, so insane. So in, in that respect, they could almost be accused of murder. Mm-hmm. You could be accused of murder. You could be um, investigated for miscarriage. You could... And, and this is the extremist side of it. Because we have the time, it. money, and resources to investigate every right. miscarriage as being yeah. uh, questionable. That's and fantastic. There would be no Plan B, which it's not an abortion pill. There's a very big difference between Plan B and uh, I think it's Mephis. I, I can't pronounce it, but it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a really hard pill to say. But it, the abortion pill, they're, they're two very different things. And Plan B is basically a high dosage of um, birth control. That's all it is. You know, you, if you wanted to, if you're really hard up or you could take a few birth control pills in a row and at one time and, and it would pretty much, don't quote me on that, but it would pretty much do the same thing. So, oh, that's, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Don't try this at home. <laughs> it says here each year, I'm not your doctor. <laughs> yeah, each year, um, 750,000 U.S. women aged 15 to 19 become pregnant. That's crazy. That's like a, a more almost a million people. Yeah. Becoming pregnant. And of those, how many how many go through with the pregnancy? I don't know. Why ask him? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> two thirds. Well, two. Th- oh, I don't know. It says here. I can't read. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> but you know, the other thing that's going on right now with the whole abortion thing is they're uh, they're forcing women to have. Um, they want to have that law where they force them to have a sonogram. Um, before they have the abortion. And it's actually, you know, the wand, it's like, it looks like a dildo and it's mm-hmm. the it's size of, you know, a penis really. And I've had this. Very invasive. Yeah. You ha- they have to put it into the woman in order to get the sonogram. And if you're forced to do that, it's in a lot of people's opinions from what I've read, it's, it's a form of rape. Right. Mm-hmm. And then can you imagine if you're having an abortion because you were raped and then you're being forced to have a wand? A huge wand. Sonogram. And it, it's, it's, it's big. big. It's no, I've had one too. Bigger than some uh, people I've been with. <laughs> that's for sure. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's crazy. I mean, ugh, I don't know. I can't even... Can't even get my head so I assume that. the purpose of doing that is so that you can have some sort of connection with the fetus that you're aborting. Is that the point? Yeah. So that you can see this on the screen? Yeah. And so making you feel really guilty. bad about it. Yeah, yes. making you feel guilty because it is, you know, and my personal belief is it is at about the time women discover they're pregnant, which is around two months pregnant. Um, and I think you can get abortion up until your fourth month, like three or third month at some point, and then after that, it's harder to get it. But there are there is a head, there's a heart, there's arms and legs, there's a beating heart, um, and there's a really good video about it. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of it now, but it's um, you know it shows a video. It shows an uh, it's an actual. Um, sonogram while the woman's getting the abortion. So you actually see a little tiny fetus and it does break apart and you can see the baby being ripped apart and murdered basically. And um, so I believe I've had children, I've had an abortion and I, I believe that I did kill a child 
But that's my choice, and I'm accountable to God for that and no one else. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone else should be held accountable to another person. We're not on this planet to legislate morality. It says that if all those religious people really want to get down to the facts, read the Bible because we are not accountable to each other. We are accountable to God. And, oh, yeah, we're supposed to hold each other accountable. I get that. But, no, ultimately we answer to God and Mm -hmm. if you believe in him or that's it, you know. And it's like just stop. If everybody would just worry about what they're doing and stop trying to tell everybody else what to do, I think, you know, we would have a lot, a lot more happy people and success in life. Well, you, know. you know, it's it's not about, you know, getting your way. You've got to educate people so that they can yeah. make their own way. And and you never know it with the right education, people just might make the decision you'd like them to make. Yeah. But it's it's not a fair chance to just withhold very important information. Well, yeah, and it's like just at least give them the education mm-hmm. of contraception so they understand how to prevent it. And not only that, but, you know, I love the programs that make you carry a baby around for like a couple weeks, like a, a pretend baby. Did you do that? No, I did that. Well, it was just for the weekend. And how and did that go? Oh, what did you God, do? that was a hot mess. Really? And, you know, <laughs> how old were you? I was 16, and it was for, I, I actually took a child care. I, th- I thought about going into education when I was younger because that's kind of what I was being pushed towards. So mm-hmm. I took the course in high school, and we had to take this baby and, and care for it and everything. And it was a pain. Not yeah. to mention you get really weird looks when you're walking around with a doll that yeah, just yeah. starts screaming. Um, but, you know... In all reality, I have been taking care of other people's children for 16 years now, and okay. it's although the doll is a, is a good kind of deterrent, mm-hmm. a real child is much more of a deterrent. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to say, I mean, the the reason that I was so petrified to become a parent at 30 as opposed to 16, uh, my mom had a my brother when I was 11, and there is no better. Um, mm-hmm. Motivation for contraception than my brother, you know. <laughs> He's so sweet. We're so close, and I I love him to death. But when you're 11 and go, kind of going into puberty in the teenage years, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing that makes a bigger impression on you than oh my God, he's always here and he's so needy and he's crying all the time and he's you know and he it took forever to raise that boy. You know, 18 years is a really long time. It's so, it's forever. It's forever. It is. Well, you know, it's I I will never forget. I I would go around with these kids and I would be babysitting and I always looked really young. So when I was 18, I still looked like I was 12. You still look and like you're 12. Okay. No, you look like young. you're about 18. <laughs> it's the, it's the red hair it. and freckles. <laughs> uh... I'll take it. No, uh, but you know, I, I would get all these dirty looks for having these, you know, young children with me. Like I was their mother and, and right. I was such a young mother. And then, and I knew what these old people were looking at me like. Yeah. And I remember one time I took this little girl with me. It was my friend's daughter and she wanted to hang out with me and you know, she's four years old and um, very, very bright child. <laughs> and she really wanted to go in this one store with me. And I had no reason to go in there. I'm like, okay, but we're not going to get anything. And apparently there was a ride in there. And I had already prepped her that, you know, we're not going to do anything like that. And she threw a full-on tantrum Whoa. on the floor. <laughs> and I just stood there. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to elevate it, you know, yeah, and then yeah. I remember getting just the dirtiest looks, like I was the worst mother in the world, oh, and, gosh. you know, at that point, I think I was 21, 22, mm-hmm. and, and uh, maybe I was, like, 20, and yeah. <laughs> it was, it was just one of those things where I just, I wasn't ready for that to be full time all the time. Yeah. I used to take my, my brother to, um, mommy and me swim classes when he was an infant. And so I was 12 and a woman came up to me in the showers afterwards one time and said, I I just have to ask. And I'm like, (gasps) I almost dropped him because I was (laughs) shocked, but he would do it just to tweak me. You know, if, if he really wanted something in the store, he'd say, mom, and I'm like, stop it. He's like, mom, please. And I'm like, stop it. (laughs) I was 22 and my son was born. So, and in my twenties, I looked young also. And my kids would misbehave at the mall. People would ask me, Oh, are you babysitting? And just be like, yep. Yep, <laughs> not mine. Sure am. 
so here's something mm-hmm. that really sort of freaks me out. It says the oldest man to father a child in Mississippi was 73 years old, and the mother was 17 years old. And, you know, you mentioned that your mom was 16, and your dad was four years older, so mm-hmm. obviously he's over 18. Right. Um, were any charges, because that would be considered rape. Statutory rape. And no be. charges would be You know, filed? I don't know if back then that was considered statutory rape. That mm-hmm. was, um, she was got pregnant in 79. She gave birth in 80. So I'm, I'm not sure, but um, my the grandparents, the parents in the situation, they supported the marriage. Uh, my yeah. grandmother actually tried to, my mom's mom, mm-hmm. tried to talk my mom out of getting married, and she said, you know, I'll, I'll help you. I want you to finish school oh, and mm-hmm. all of those things. You don't need to get married. And, and she goes, I mean, you know, I, I will support you if this is what you decide, but right. please don't. And right. I wonder if at that age, kids just, they not only have this fairy tale mm-hmm. idea about, you know, falling in love and being with someone forever, but maybe it's a little bit of fear and pressure for those kids because now they have to go out into the world and it's like, well, if I get married and have a child, mm-hmm. then my life is sort of decided for me and dialed in. And maybe that takes some of the fear out. I don't, I don't quite know what they're thinking, but um, it seems like it's more often than not the girls are younger and the and the boys are over 18. And I just wonder, you know, why aren't we seeing more um, consequences for these mm-hmm. men who are impregnating these young girls? These men who know better, who are old enough to know. Oh better. yeah, and, absolutely. You know, when you're when you're a 16 year old girl, you're stupid. Yeah. You're just stupid. Sometimes really, when you're, when you're a 30-year-old man, you're pretty stupid, too. <laughs> Sometimes when you're a 40-something-year-old woman, you're stupid. <laughs> but stupid. Right. I'll just speak for myself. <laughs> now, your mom was a product of teenage parents as well. My Well, my mom was. My grandmother was 19 when she had my mom. She was she was married well before she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my grandma and my biological grandfather, um, I, I don't have a relation. I've met him maybe three times in my whole life. Uh, he was a Southern Baptist person preacher. Classy. Hmm. <laughs> Praise and, the Lord. And, <laughs> and they got married and then they had my mom. So, so she was 19 when she had my mom. Um, she definitely, my grandma had a good head on her shoulders and she was raised by her grandparents. Now her mom was also 18 parents. There's, there's a generational, generational thing yeah. happening right. there. And she just my grandma ended up uh, divorced when my mom was six. So by 25, she was divorced, and this was, you know, 1969. And um, that was that was really taboo in Mississippi to do that, especially from a preacher. So yeah. Right. yeah. Oh um, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, they're the horniest <laughs> ones. That seems like well, and that preachers was, and politicians, man. They that like would they like the sex. of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's true, and we've talked about it on the show before. That the harder you push somebody back into a corner, whether it's religiously or culturally, the more taboos you put on somebody, and the more restrictions you put on somebody. You know, the Taliban and and some of these other countries are great examples of this. The crazier the people are going to act, you're, you're going to rebel. Yeah. And you're going to act out, and you know all of these states that are, adverti- are advertising abstinence and and putting their head in the sand are you know it's it's no they're, surprise. They're asking for trouble. You know, I absolutely agree with you 100%. Marie, is you have all these, especially these Middle Eastern states. You know, basically they consider women as subhuman. They're they're human, but they're not as human or as good of a human as men are, and. Uh, you're, you have people just rioting and freaking out. And I can't imagine the majority of these people are happy. I just I simply don't understand it. And the one thing, you know, I was just at the mall this afternoon, and this is a little bit unrelated and off topic, but I have been noticing more and more that the women, the Muslim women are wearing the scarves on their head. And I think that's great. I think that's fine if that's what you want to do and you want to have a, uh, you know, cover and be humble. But I don't understand why the men don't cover their head. It's like, well, the men are hot. You know, I get turned on and we get, you know, oh, sexy guy. You know, well, some of them are pretty hairy, but actually. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, why is it that the women have to be covered and not and not the men? It just seems really unfair. And, it, and it's and back to what you said, you know, it's like the more you push people into a corner and the more you try to legislate morality, the results are going to be worse. And people need to wake up and figure it out. Yeah. You know, and I, and hopefully these countries and 
and um, will rebel and, you know, stand up for themselves because I'm really sick of the United States having to <laughs> police the rest of the world. We have enough problems here. Just let's start with straightening Mississippi out, for God's sake. <laughs> Jeez. We're, uh, we're taking your calls for about five more minutes. If you have calls on teenage pregnancy, if you have any stories you'd like to share, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. Um, are there any surprise what sort of the the lessons that came out of your childhood are there are there things that would surprise us that are sort of not normally talked about that that are observations that you've had about coming out of a family that you came out of I think um, in a lot of ways I was very lucky because I didn't become another statistic. Yeah. How'd um, you do that? <laughs> she, put aspirin, she put an aspirin between me. <laughs> and, I, and I sat very still. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I, I think I, I saw what I didn't want. I, as, as a young child, I was always convinced that I was actually part of the royal family and I was switched to the hospital in Mississippi. And <laughs> <laughs> I always thought I was way smarter than everyone else. Clearly. <laughs> That's clearly true. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I used to, to play with my Barbies and I would, they either lived in New York or California and New York's too cold for me. So yeah. I, I had focus to get the heck out of there. And, right. and I always knew I wanted to get out of there and I didn't want the same cycle. And I wanted to someday, you know, marry a man who I loved and I wasn't just stuck with because I had sex with him. I didn't, I didn't lose my virginity till till pretty late in the game, all things considered. And it was yesterday, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Right before the show. Yeah, it's very well documented. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a video. Go to YouTube. Her, uh, her Ken doll was always wearing condoms. Yeah. Yeah. Always. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I, I knew I wanted more, and I think that I, I saw through that, and my mouth used to get me into a, so much trouble when I was younger, because I would call things out, and I would say, this isn't right, you need to start using your brains, and I would, you know, I remember shouting inside my head to my parents, like, am I really being raised by these people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a lot in common, Mandy, we really do. <laughs> so, you know, I think I was very, very fortunate. I had an older brother who got to make a lot of mistakes for me, and um, and I and he took he bore the brunt of it. I really believe that. And and I learned how to dodge. And by the time I was older, I remember I was like 16 and my brother was well out of the house by then. And I decided I was going to go out. And my mom's like, well, when, what time are you going to be back? I'm like, I don't know, like four in the morning. And <laughs> which was very bizarre for me. And, and, you know, it's a little miss good girl all through high school. And yeah. I, I never... They never expected me to do anything bad. <laughs> so. All right. We have time for one very quick call. We'll put them through. You are on the chat room. Go ahead. Are you kidding me? I'm online. Oh, sweet. Hey, my name's Anthony. I'm a, I'm a delivery guy for a pizza place, and I'm just, I'm just like, a, I've never had a child, but I've noticed that uh, there's this uh, phrase going on, like moral legislation on, uh, on childbearing, right? Which yeah. seems really twisted to me because uh, since I've been recently studying history in my me time, there's always been times where people kind of frown upon having sex, and uh, and then it's okay, and it's not okay, like especially in the Athenian uh, times, you know, if that's how you would say it. There is a lot of uh, sexual activity going on, and it wasn't frowned upon. It was okay. Gays were accepted. And I think now, right now, it's uh, we're having like a conflict between these two types of uh, moral interpretations on, on childbearing, right? And uh, so you're going to have those stares when you have children, and uh, it's something you have to put up with. But at the same time, when I see a young woman with a child, uh, I I feel proper. I see it as a beautiful thing. So you know, it's for a teen, for a teen woman, like a oh 16 no no no, no not, not a teen. teen. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe I called in a little too late. I might have missed something. Yeah, we're talking about teen pregnancy. Hey, um, do you have any pizzas in your car? Do you think you can come <laughs> over? And- because yeah, we are so do. hungry. Uh, I could just flip a Yui. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Thanks, Anthony, for Thanks. your call. <laughs> oh, sadly, we, uh, we're drawing down on our time. Yeah, but, darn uh, it, we're out of time. I know. There's always more Let's to do. talk about. And, uh, Mandy, you've been a huge, very open. I yeah. totally appreciate your honesty and your candor. And Good luck on your studies. And um, I think what you're doing with wanting to educate and, um, and start a real a movement in this uh, country is awesome. And I wish you... Well, and I know um, you're going to be a student here at uh, UCI next year, and um, I hope you'll come back and share some more great education and 
get the word out. Well, I would love to, and thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to come, and it's, it's just, it's been fun. It's right on, right <laughs> on. All right, we'll be right back here with you next Friday night at 5 o'clock. Thanks so much for tuning into the chat room, and we'll see you next week.